Welcome back to the Juice Time Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Adamani. And alongside me tonight, folks, is none other than our resident Wisconsin Badgers insider, the man himself in the 608, my brother, Nicholas Osen of 24-7 Sports, coming off of an extremely unfortunate loss to the Iowa Hawkeyes. But the Badgers roll on this coming weekend in Champaign, where there will be a duel against a former Badger head coach in Brett Bielema. Nick, how are you doing tonight, my brother? Honestly, my man, I'm always pretty good. I am especially good today. You know, you mentioned Badgers rolling on. I think they'll find some success. It's been great kind of being back home, seeing some of the great friends and you know, excited to talk a little bit of Bears where we might find some hope here and there this week. Nick, you're going to be far more positive about our beloved Chicago Bears <laughs> than I am after an abysmal loss in the division this past Sunday. So, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. And please strap in for a wild one. As always, juice up. All right, Nick. As I just alluded to, our beloved Chicago Bears have disappointed us yet again with a truly avoidable and atrocious loss to the Minnesota Vikings at home this past Sunday. Only lost by one score. 19-13 to 13 was the final. And... Even factoring in that close score, the game felt over possibly at halftime for me just because of the way the offense was essentially doing nothing. They could not move the ball with Justin Fields in the game. And I attribute that to a number of things. Namely, the play calling was reverting back to the early weeks of this season, throwing too many screens and relying a bit too much on the run game. I will say that Deontay Foreman looked awesome instead of Rashawn Johnson and Khalil Herbert. Those guys have been banged up. It looks like Rashawn will be back against the Raiders on Sunday, which will be huge. But Foreman looked stellar and probably the only bright spot on the offensive end in the first half because in the past game, Nick, that offensive line was not giving Justin Fields a bit of time. And Fields was sacked four times in just two quarters and some change that he played on Sunday against the Vikings. He had zero protection, and Luke Getze was not being aggressive with the football the way he has been against the Denver Broncos and in our win against the Washington Commanders. So I am not encouraged whatsoever after this loss, especially considering how close it was with a Division II backup quarterback that came into the game late. You know, I, I think that's a really good breakdown, quite honestly. And normally, you know this, brother. I think that many of our listeners know this. I'm not somebody that just blames the coaches. You know, if, if there are legitimate issues, I'll usually at least look at the players before kind of 
just throwing something like that around, not really faulting people. But, you know, what what kind of was up with Luke Getze? Because he called one of the best games from anyone, any coordinator in the entire league the previous week. Reporters that we really like, respect, follow, they were picking the Bears to win this game, felt a little jolt of momentum, healthy everywhere, basically other than running back, you know, wide outs, healthy fields, O-line, secondary. And I'm not going to go quite as as far as you kind of did simply because, I mean, the Vikings do have some talent and they had playoff aspirations. However, you're right in that it was at home. There was some momentum for Chicago. The Vikings did not have their best player. And, you know, was Fields perfect? No, he had a bad player too. And I know that I'm a huge Fields defender. I think you're still generally on that side as well. But some of those plays, even if he was taking a normal amount of time to develop and kind of make his reads, he couldn't even really make it happen because there was not a ton of pass protection against a not-so-great defense this year. I mean, Flores likes to blitz, but still, it was uh, it was disappointing. And I think for me, I mean, with my optimism and just everything I kind of have going on, I try not to look big picture too much. Just take it a week at a time. But if you do step back and look, it's just about to be called the lost season. Nick, I think we're there at this point already, and we're <laughs> only heading into week seven. I am probably the biggest Bears fan that our listeners will ever come to know, and I will still not root for draft picks at any point in this season because that means nothing to me knowing that we have the Carolina Panthers in our back pocket. So to me, it's... Can Justin Fields solidify himself as the starting quarterback for this team so that there is no rumor heading into April next year, oh my gosh, they might have two top five picks. They have to use one on a quarterback. I won't mind it if they do because Justin Fields will have determined, okay, he's a starter in this league. He can be consistent in his highlight real plays that we've seen in two games this season but to me it's his decision making there were boneheaded plays from both quarterbacks that we saw on the bears both throwing interceptions and i will dive deep into tyson bajant but nick you said it best brian flores we know the type of coach he's been in this league with new england miami and now with the Minnesota Vikings. His coaching style has not wavered. And the Bears were not prepared for the onslaught that was that defensive unit just bursting into the backfield and causing so much discomfort for Justin Fields in that offensive line. I mean, I'm surprised that he completed any passes because he had two or three Vikings swirling Ooh. around him almost every play. So I really chalk up a lot of our inability to move the football to the offensive line being virtually incapable of doing its job. And <laughs> you're allowing four sacks in just about a half of football. That is 
entirely unacceptable in the National Football League against a division rival in a game that's winnable when the Minnesota Vikings don't have the most important player on their team. So this one truly is inexcusable. And to me, that second half, Nick, I was genuinely encouraged when Bajent calmed down and was able to find DJ Moore on two chunk plays, which led to the Chicago Bears pulling within one score. And I thought, okay, this defense has been playing incredible. Only allowed 19 points on the game, 20 the week before. This defense has shown up as of late. Yep, yep. Defense goes and does its job, gets a stop, and the Bears have the ball with plenty of time. And what absolutely blew my lid, Nick, was the Bears rushing to the line just before the two-minute warning when they're driving the football into Vikings territory. Why on God's green earth are you trying to get a playoff when you are in plus territory and you have the two-minute warning, I believe, 11 seconds away? Just let that clock go. Regroup. Where was the ball at that point? Around the 45-yard line, Nick. So they were clear as day moving the football and they rushed it, which led to a Tyson Bajant forced football to DJ Moore ended up being an interception and cost us the game. So that one truly made me sick because he had the opportunity to be a hero and win that game 20 to 19. And I think it would have happened had they let time go to the two minute warning. And that's not on Bajan. The the throw, which I can be honest, I didn't get to see. I had to go cover an awesome scrimmage. Uh, you were keeping me in the loop, of course. You know, saw the touchdown, saw everything else. And by the way, you, you talked about the Bears' mistakes. You know, Cousins didn't play a perfect game, and I think the Bears' defense gets credit. But that's not on Bajan other than the throw. You know, having to rush that play up if they were really at the, about the 45, that's on coaching and that's on the staff, which is really unfortunate. I do still think, and maybe this is just the the optimist in me, not wanting to give up on the season, but you made a great point. The defense has kind of been playing like a Bears defense the last two. Yeah, two, I can't go quite three weeks, but the last couple weeks uh, showing, you know, a flash here and there early on. And as we, in a little bit here, get to our bold predictions, you're going to like my defensive one. I know that. But for right now, I I do think Iberflus gets some credit for that. I think it's a great thing that the defense is getting healthier. And look, as disappointed as we are, and as we're going to shift a little bit to this week, another winnable game that the Bears will have this week. There is no question. because. You know what? I have no problem saying to you and our listeners, I've watched about as many Raiders plays and minutes that I have for the Bears this year. There's no question. They're the second team for me this year just because of Monday Night Football, fantasy guys. And I'll tell you, they're so bad. 
that I get frustrated watching their offense having their two best players on it. I'm telling you. And now there's, you know, I'll make the transition right now. Now there's a little, not turmoil, but a little frustration from the best wide receiver on planet Earth and Devontae Adams over there. And so that's going to be one of two things. That's going to either be getting in the quarterback's heads. They're going to have kind of a discrepancy and friction, or I hope this for fantasy, but they're going to force feed him. And if so, I'm actually okay with that. Not just because of fantasy, but he's not quite 100%. Jacoby Myers has been the favorite there this year. We take him away and kind of key in on like Devontae and maybe make him run the ball where I believe my guy Josh Jacobs is just averaging 3.1 yards a tote. We can potentially win that game if Bajan moves the ball like he did Sunday. We've got ourselves a statistician over here, folks. Nick, I absolutely love how you roll right into the matchup on Sunday again at Soldier Field Mm -hmm. against the Las Vegas Raiders, where I think you read my mind, Nick. I was going to use the term force-fed in the amount of times we've had to watch the Las Vegas Raiders this season. Of course, you mentioned the primetime spot against the Green Bay Packers a couple weeks ago. That was on just about everyone's television. But I have found myself tuning into what the Raiders have been doing. Of course, with Devontae Adams being on a fantasy team of mine and so much coverage on Max Crosby in the season he's having. So, Nick, this game is eerily similar to last week where we go into it thinking... Oh, my gosh, another winnable spot. But this time we're without Justin Fields, who has been the sole cause of any success we've had offensively this season. (laughs) And I do not have a great feeling heading into the battle of the backups between Tyson Bagent and former Bear Brian Hoyer. So we'll go right into it, Nick. These Raiders have a bit of momentum. They just beat the New England Patriots, and that was a huge spot for not only Brian Hoyer, who won a Super Bowl with the Patriots, but also Josh McDaniels, who is a disciple of Bill Belichick. So I think the Raiders have been rolling defensively all season long. Max Crosby, who I don't really enjoy. I think he's a punk. But... Good Lord, can that guy get to the quarterback? And if Sunday was any foreshadowing when we played the Vikings who were giving Justin Fields trouble, I think Max Crosby is going to eat Tyson Bajan for lunch. Yeah, and you know I'm not shocked you don't like Crosby. I like that you gave him some credit. He's actually become, you know, not one of my 10 favorite players or something, but somebody I really enjoy, not only his skill level, but that's a guy you can't really question his motor and what he kind of cares about. Like every single, uh, every single week, I remember kind of watching him more at ESPN two jobs ago when I used to watch NFL highlights and do some clips. I mean, he's a special player and players around the NFL know that. So we got to key in on him. I've been a little bit impressed by their defense, like you mentioned. Patriots are terrible. 
I, I almost like the Bears' capability of winning more than New England, honestly, because there's at least some flash and some excitement. New England, it's just really time for a full rebuild. But the Raiders still don't have a ton of studs on that defense. I, th- I do think there are some areas to attack. I think it's more so the safeties and some of that secondary. Uh, so that's definitely going to be intriguing. And I know that Bajan, he was a ton of fun, you know, in preseason, moved the ball a little bit against the Vikings. But, like, to me, is Hoyer, if he indeed is the guy, is he one of the kind of best, most reliable backups in the NFL? For sure, because of what he's done for so many years, and he knows, like, every offense will need to know. But I almost feel better going into this game than I did last week, just because at times, I mean, the Vikings have frustrated us plenty in our lives, whether it's with Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, AP, or Randy Moss. You know, Raiders, I just kind of think they're not terrible. They're not. I believe they're three and three. But there have also been times where they maybe shouldn't have snuck out these wins barely you know kind of beat the patriots so i'm confident but i'm still pretty worried going into this one and as you say you know the most ugly things and records in the world i don't want to think what this one would be like if we drop it nick there may be no uglier record than one in six i'll say that right now i don't know if there's been a time in our lives that the bears have had that record I mean, we could check the history books, but as long as I've been a fan of this team, yes, they've had some dreadful seasons, but one in six, that's something that will leave a horrendous taste in your mouth and really make you take a seat and rethink why you even enjoy the game of football. But (laughs) when you talk about Max Crosby, Nick, of course, the player – He is everything you want in a pass rusher. High motor, gets to the quarterback at all times, even if it doesn't result in a sack. We saw that against the Green Bay Packers. He got to Jordan Love a handful of times, but it's about his ability to make the quarterback uncomfortable, and he just flies around to the ball at all times. So there's no knock on him as a player, but Not a huge fan of his personality. And you talk about that secondary, Nick. Marcus Peters, your man, is having kind of a resurgent season for the silver and black. So I am nowhere near as worried about the Raiders' offense as I am their defense because we have a backup quarterback with only two quarters of experience in the NFL that's going up against a pretty stout unit. You said it best, Nick. Devontae Adams, the most premier wide receiver of the last decade in this league. Him or Antonio Brown, yep, yep. And the Raiders have not used him correctly this season. Of course, he's not gotten in rhythm with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's certainly not going to have a strong connection with Hoyer yet. So... To me, this is an ugly, grinded-out game between two defensive units that are putting it all together, and a battle of the backups is never going to be high-scoring. So going into my bold predictions, Nick, 
and rounding it out with my final score. Offensively, Tyson Bajan, he surprised me last week, even having an opportunity to score a touchdown. So to go bold at home, I believe he throws two touchdown passes, and he's going to hit old reliable Cole Komet in the red zone. And a favorite target of his, just based on reps in practice, I'm going with Darnell Mooney to catch a touchdown pass. DJ Moore will certainly make an impact. He did late in the game against the Vikings, but there won't be as astonishing of numbers that we've seen in weeks past. So two touchdowns for Bajant. And defensively, I think this unit continues to build off of its recent success. Matt Eberflus gets a little pat on the back. And (laughs) this defensive front sacks Brian Hoyer four times. Man, see, this is why you got to do your offense and then pass it over to me. Because we think so similarly that it takes a little bit of the wind or the juice out of my sails. So I'm just going to go with my defensive one. But before I get to that, and I'm sure you probably know because you see this stuff as much as me, but do you know what the over-under is for this game? I haven't seen it yet, Nick, but I would put it at about 36 points. It's it's unbelievable that this is an NFL game. But then again, I think of the final score, and it's not. It's about 38. So... I'm going to get to my score, but yeah, man, now my prediction doesn't sound as bold defensively, but I like three sacks, which would be a good day for this Bears defense. Again, it's on the rise, truly is. Iberflus gets credit for that. Gakwe, you know, some of the young guys, Dexter, of course, secondary, but that's kind of my pick, and I'll give my score first. This show, man, you really brought the juice. We're flying a little bit. This might be my last time doing it, at least till like December, but I'm picking a Chicago Bears win. And I guess it's a little bit over the over. I don't think as good as he has been, not a huge Cairo Santos day, but he's involved. I think we only get probably two touchdowns, two field goals, 20 to 19 victory nick i absolutely love your score prediction and of course we were in lockstep with our defensive bold predictions i just added one more because this defense has really surprised me in a positive way in recent weeks so i continue to roll with my monsters of the midway but nick i hope you prove me wrong and i hope our boys in navy and orange Prove me wrong because after last week, I cannot feel confident whatsoever in predicting a Chicago Bears win, even though they're at home against one of the worst opponents that we'll have all year. Our beloved Chicago Bears, I agree with you that Cairo Santos has some minor involvement. We fall by one score once again. A Raiders 21 to a Chicago Bears 17. Of course, I mentioned Bajan scoring two touchdowns and then Cairo, of course, hitting probably a late first half field goal. (laughs) 
Man, it's hard for me. You haven't gotten jaded, but it's hard for me to see some of the optimism, you know, kind of washing away. Again, I know we're flying. I know you've got your pick of the week. Let me make one quick because I'm joining you, getting a little crazy, and I'm interested if you were to ever actually do something. This is a little teaser. You know I'm a fan of teasers. Taking the Falcons plus nine and a half. So they're actually plus two and a half, plus three. Tease them up to plus nine and a half. And taking the over in the game of the season so far, Dolphins-Eagles Sunday night, over 45 and a half points. Nick, I am absolutely in love with the second half of your teaser. Of course, we have two of the most high-scoring offenses in football between the Eagles and Miami Dolphins. We know the Dolphins hung a 70-burger not too long ago. So, folks, you might want to tail Nick this weekend because that is brilliance. You talk about the Atlanta Falcons. They lost a close one to the Washington Commanders this past week. So, I completely agree with you in both spots there and nick i was looking at the slate this week a ton of buys around the league a whole host of them so that's hurting me in fantasy football so i have to look at the positives our bears play at noon i'm hoping for nothing but the best but around the league the chiefs have only let me down once and that was Pat Mahomes sliding at the goal line. (laughs) I told myself I wasn't going to get involved with them again. And my pick of the week last week was as clean as they come. The LA Rams minus seven. So I will give myself a little dust off of the shoulder there. But folks, heading into NFL week seven, my pick of the week is The Kansas City Chiefs minus five and a half against the lowly L.A. Chargers, which I hate to say it because I do love Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen, but they absolutely blew one on Monday night against the Cowboys. I have Justin Herbert as my fantasy quarterback, and I actually lost a matchup due to his final seconds interception to close out the game by 0.28 points. So I will roll with the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they have yet to play their best football, as crazy as that sounds. Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey will shine because Kelsey has that glow about him as of late, and we know why that is. So folks, take the Kansas City Chiefs minus five and a half, and we roll into another week of football. And you know what, for real quick, as we wrap up here, uh, Chiefs would be a heck of a team to have a Super Bowl future on. But I like the play, and I will say this. I've never wished for anybody to get fired. I still don't. But if the Chargers continue down this road, and I don't want them to. I want them to make it one of our all-time favorite players on the team. But it might be the best for Justin Herbert's future because I don't think Staley's the right guy for him. Certainly not the right guy for one of the better young quarterbacks in this league, Nick, to be costing them so many wins. A promising young team with 
a Hall of Fame pass rusher in Khalil Mack on the other side. So I love the Chargers, but I can't feel comfortable with them against the reigning Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in for another week. And may the football gods be in our favor come Sunday afternoon because, good Lord, do we need a win, folks. (laughs) As always, just bear down forever.